Hi there, just popping in at the top to let you know that this podcast episode may include some language that's inappropriate for young ears. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. Enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, the podcast where we rate movies on a teardrop scale. Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm actor, writer, and human embodiment of the emotion hanger, Maybell. And I'm Hanger's good friend, Kimia. Today we're discussing imaginary friends, the human subconscious, and rocket ships fueled by song. It's Inside Out! And at the end, we'll be wrapping up with Take Us to Your Happy Place. But first, personal histories. Maybell, please tell the audience about your first time watching Inside Out. Okay, so you have to bear with me. This was 2015. I was 21 years old. I'd like pretty freshly come out of college and I was living, you know, my best life or whatever. And the day that I went to see Inside Out, this is important context. It's going to sound like it's incredibly irrelevant, but it is important context. The day that I went to see Inside Out, I went to the beach with some friends. And while I was at the beach, I got a really bad sunburn. And usually a really bad sunburn is like not a big deal. You know, you slap some aloe vera on, you get through the week, you cry a little bit when it peels and that's okay. But this time, uh, after I got my incredibly bad sunburn at the beach, I went straight to a restaurant and bar and got a very strong drink with my friends. And then we went to see Inside Out. But by the time that I went to see the movie, I was severely plastered because I was incredibly dehydrated from my incredibly bad sunburn. (laughs) So the one drink that I had had with friends before going to the movie completely knocked me on my ass. I was in the movie theater bathroom puking about 15 minutes before the movie started. And my friend was really concerned that, um, that, you know, something was wrong. So I came out of the bathroom as quickly as I could, but I hadn't accounted for the head rush of dehydration and, um, and being drunk. So as I was walking out of the bathroom, I lost my ability to see things like at all. Everything was just complete visual snow. And I'm wandering around the lobby trying to find my friend because I can't see anything. And he very kindly escorts me to the movie and the theater because I didn't want to be caught being incredibly plastered at the movie theater, you know, because that's embarrassing. Like the story is really embarrassing, but I'm telling you anyway, because we <laughs> practice vulnerability here at Tear Jerkers. Anyway, <clears throat> so my friend very kindly drags my drunk and blind body to the very first seat that he can find in the movie theater and plops me down and tells me not to move, which like, where was I going to go? Seriously, where? nowhere. Um, and he takes my water bottle and goes and fills it up for me. And by the time he returned, my vision was back. I felt practically sober. I was completely fine. So I watched inside out somewhat drunk, but really not very much because I'd already puked a lot. Um, and yeah, that's my not so classy story about the mindset I was in when I first saw Inside Out. So you could say I was kind of vulnerable already when the movie started. Oh, also, side note, not entirely related, but I feel like it really helps illustrate the picture. The very first thing I saw 
after I regained my sense of sight was a minion. Woof. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. That's a rough day. Thank you. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, that's how I came to see Inside Out the first time. Um, and then I've seen it, uh, I think, two times since then at home. And then again last night for this podcast. How about you, Kimia? I wish I had been drunk when I watched Inside Out. I hadn't seen it before this week. I've seen pictures and gift sets all over, of course. And so as the child of a therapist, I was so ready to open my heart and accept Inside Out's premise. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. Would you like to tell the audience what Inside Out is about? Sure thing. All right. So after 11-year-old Riley is uprooted from her life of hockey and friends in Minnesota and forcibly moved to San Francisco, her emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness conflict in how to best navigate the new city, house, and school that she's been put in. And after an emotionally turbulent first day of school, joy and sadness are sent off on a journey to discover the purpose of sadness, while fear, anger, and disgust are left to run the show. I can't wait to talk about this movie. But first, we need to take a quick break. Today's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by a really, 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 really small turtle. Oh, he's really little. A tiny he's little just so turtle. Little. It's small. The smallest turtle. Yeah, he's he's the smallest turtle you've ever seen. Oh, I'm picturing him, and Are I'm like okay? trying not to cry from the adorableness of just mentally picturing a very, very, very small turtle. You can cry. Can I send you a picture of a really small turtle? Let's just yes. Let's just open a new tab and Google small. Dwarf turtles for sale? (laughs) Wow. You love to see it. You love to see it, folks. They're so small. You know? They're like, this turtle is inside of a cap to a beer bottle. That's how little he is. That's how little? Oh, I don't think I can handle this. He's so small. I, I don't think I can handle this. We're no. only eight minutes into the recording. I, no, I really... Please. Don't make please, me cry. Don't make you cry. Mm-hmm. Here. <laughs> click that link. I don't know if that'll if that'll get you where you need to go, but look I at think the little so. baby turtle. <gasps> oh, that's a good baby turtle. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, He's well, so small. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep this picture in um, for the show notes so that our listeners can see this very very small turtle. It's very <laughs> important people. because this very very small turtle is our sponsor, and we all have to That's love and respect him today. And he's good. He's a good little. <laughs> They're so small. Oh, there's a YouTube video called Tiny Turtles Are Very Tiny. Oh, that's It's only a good. minute and three seconds long. Oh, that sounds so Oh, good. my God. Are I'm you watching that right now? To you. Okay, send it to me. Well, I just started it, but, like, I don't have to watch the whole thing. Like, we shouldn't include all of this. Of course. Show, but they're so little. They're so little. Okay, okay. A very, very, very small turtle. Thank you so much for sponsoring us today. And we're back. <clears throat> All right, Kimia, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about Inside Out. Would you like to start us off? Inside Out did not make me cry, okay. first of all. Spoilers, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like I said, I was really, really excited to watch this movie. I thought I would be, I was, I was excited. I was ready to open my heart to Inside Out. I was ready to get on board. I was ready to like talk to lots of people how, about how great Inside Out is. I was ready to call my mom and be like, mom, have you seen Inside Out? Tell me what your thoughts are about the movie's idea about emotions. Like, tell me all your psychological thoughts about it. But, um, instead I found myself yelling at the TV and saying, why won't this movie end? Oh no. Um, and things like that. Yeah, it felt like it just dragged on forever because they just kept getting almost there. And it felt like that journey part of the movie was like 90% and then the beginning and end were like so short. And I wish that they had spent more time um, after Riley gets everything Mm -hmm. back and after Riley's emotions get everything back in order. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish that they had spent more time on that because... That's really where the work of emotion happens I guess. for the human people, you know? Yeah. Like, that little emotion babies inside your head is kind of cute, but then, like, they should have shown more discussion between Riley and her parents and... Okay. You know, like, because that's the part that a kid watching this movie has control over. That's fair. I think, I think that that's definitely a fair criticism, but... Um... In my opinion, Riley isn't actually the main character of the movie. And She's it isn't not. about her journey. She's not. Like, it kind of is about her journey, but it's really about discovering the purpose of sadness. And in order for them to yes. get that, like, that's the thesis of the movie to me, is, like, this is the purpose of sadness. Sadness has a place, and it is important, and we need to know how to accept our sadness. And so that's true. Yeah. That's, that's really what I love about this movie is helping people find a vocabulary for understanding that just because they experience sadness doesn't mean that, that they are bad or that their emotions are wrong because a lot of people feel pressure to put on a happy face. And I think sometimes the stigma against mental illness in our culture comes from this idea that any sort of negative feelings, especially sad, sad related negative feelings rather than anger related negative feelings are bad. And, and I, I, I really like what that gives for kids, but I get what you're saying. Like the Mm -hmm. real work for Riley's emotional growth is going to be after she gets home from trying to run away. Yeah, like, I I don't disagree with you, and I really like what they did with that and saying, like, oh, sadness is what brought everyone in to help Riley. Um, but I wish that they had spent a little more time showing how that works, showing that actual helping scene post-Runaway. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, the kids watching the film maybe need more of a template for how to start those kinds of discussions. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Less of like, here are some things you can't control about the inside of your head. They're completely in control of you and you just (laughs) do whatever they tell you to do. I don't know. I'm not on board with that. I mean, I feel like because when she, when Riley comes back, she says something to her parents. At the end of the day, I feel like in some ways it's more the parents' job to know what to say when rather than putting that on a kid. Um, Yeah, Riley's parents really should have like opened the door for her to talk about things yeah. and they should have said like, Hey Riley, it's, I know this is a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and started out, started off those discussions, but I just wish they had spent some time, um, going into a little more detail about those conversations. Yeah. 
you know, like providing kind of, um, what's the word? Like a little bit of a script, you know, how to say like, I'm sad Mm -hmm. (laughs) to your parents. Like Riley just kind of does it the one time. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) did you cry, Maybelle? I mean, I think, you know, I cried. (laughs) Um, Did you cry the first time and did you cry last night? I definitely cried. I'm pretty sure I cried the first time I watched the movie, but like towards the end during like the emotional heights of the movie. This time, Mm -hmm. my penchant for um, being more heavily affected by movies that I've already seen definitely kicked in because... I was crying before the title card even came up at approximately seven and a half minutes in. Um, I teared up because um, when I was watching the movie, Gage was watching the movie with me and he turned to me and said, it's about finding the purpose of sadness and they're already setting it up about Joy sending away sadness and like trying to get rid of her. And like, like mm-hmm. that much just gets me teared up. And then the, they show the drawing of Bing Bong and, like, knowing what's going to happen with Bing Bong also made me tear up. I'd, I am just, like, so easy, you know? And, like, Pixar... I... Okay, Pixar has my number, and it booty calls me at 3 a.m., and I always answer. Like, it mm-hmm. has me down. Um, I cannot escape the m- emotional manipulation that Pixar has over me. I just can't. So. Yeah. Yeah, I did cry a lot. Um, on the topic of the parents not really giving Riley an opportunity to express her feelings about the move, I took a note at the beginning when the mom comes into Riley's bedroom and says, you know, as long as you and I can keep a happy face on for dad, like it'll make it all easier for him, which is just a lot of pressure to put on a kid. And the idea yeah. that other people's you know, that other people's emotional stability is dependent on your own emotional stability. Like I've seen that mess up a lot of young teenagers and preteens. Like I also felt a tremendous pressure to put on a happy face for my parents when I was growing up, no matter how negatively I felt at times. Um, So that really made me feel for Riley a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was... It's, like, one thing to say, like, we appreciate you having a good attitude. Mm -hmm. And another one to say, like, it would be bad if you were sad right now. Yeah. That would be, that would be difficult for us. That would put more stress on your dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is a movie. It is a movie, yes. (laughs) Um. I'm, like, always criticizing the thing that makes the plot happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's how if only go, that right? didn't happen, then, then there, there would, would be, be no, no need plot. For this. Yeah, there would, there would be no movie. Um, <laughs> this whole problem wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wrote down a few of the quotes that I really liked. Um, the very first one I wrote down was anger cares very deeply about things being fair. And I felt like that I was, love that. Yeah, I felt like that was a great summary of anger because I've seen a lot of stuff recently about how anger is the part of you that knows that you deserve better. And yeah. and I really like how they summarize that. Um, yeah. and, and then a little bit later, one of my other favorite quotes is sadness saying, crying helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, like if that ain't me. <laughs> I don't know if this is the right time to talk about this, Mm -hmm. but I noticed that Riley's emotions 
were like some of them were men and some of them were women. Yes. And in the parents were all one gender. You know, the moms were yes. Yeah. I also yeah, took the a moms note of were that. only women and the dads were only men. Yeah. And I love that because that's a truth about children. Like children start getting a gender identity at like age three. Like that's when it begins. Yeah. Well, it depends um, on the culture. But then actually. like maybe before puberty. What's that? It depends on the culture, actually. So it's usually around like three really? or four or five, but um, depending on the culture and the language that the child is, you know, immersed in, some infants or some, sorry, some children actually develop a sense of gender a full year before children of other cultures do based off mm-hmm. of how gendered the language that they're taught is. I think it's fascinating. I was reading something about um, the way that different languages affect our cognition and the way that we mm-hmm. conceptualize like entire branches of life. And yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I don't remember which two languages it was, but it was basically like one language that is heavily gendered versus a language that doesn't have a gender for most mm-hmm. like, I think for most ways of description, the, the mm-hmm. children of the culture for, of the language that doesn't have a lot of gender in it, develop their sense of their own gender a year later than children of heavily gendered languages, which is fascinating to me. Interesting. But yeah, I really like the implication that Riley might be by gender or non-binary or just currently undecided because she's still pretty young. Like I thought it was more like Riley's like too young. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like Riley's is still very much developing as a person and mm-hmm. is like pre-puberty and mm-hmm. um you know is she's like she's a little kid she's mm-hmm. she's like um I don't know what I'm trying to say like like kids start when they're young start understanding gender around 3 or whatever but like you certainly don't you're not finished with your identity no, age, no, you know, but she's, you are she's not, still growing as, as a person. For sure. Yeah. You're not like a fully full person at 11 years old. Yeah. I don't want to imply that you should look at an 11 year old and say like, mm, you keep saying you're a boy, but I think you're a girl and you're not done growing yet. So you'll figure it out. Like, like yeah. you shouldn't invalidate someone mm-hmm. based on their age. But I thought it was interesting that they included a mix of genders and Riley's emotions. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that really stood out to me about the um, about the inciting incidents of this movie was that Joy tried to suppress sadness and contain her in this like circle of sadness that she drew out on the ground. God, and when that I, was horrible. I know it's horrible, but like it really illustrates how trying to force your sadness down will cause it to just act out. You know, I, that's what it illustrated to yeah. me is that joy. Um, I mean, a lot of this movie is kind of joy's journey to appreciating her coworker sadness. Um, joy's an asshole. I, I did agree. not like joy. I was so annoyed with joy. The whole movie, there was like no point where I liked joy. Actually. It yeah. Was that just was like, something I thought oh, about here's too. Joy. Because yeah, and then she just sucked. Yeah. I thought about that a lot, too, because there were moments where it seemed like Joy could have chosen to abandon sadness 
And I mean, she does eventually um, at, mm-hmm. the, at the emotional climax or, you know, near the climax of the movie, she does choose to abandon sadness because she thinks that she's more important than sadness. But like, I also think that it illustrates that like people who can't feel sad are awful. You know, they're so awful. Like people who Just be don't understand making space for sadness and grief, like like they're unbearable. And that's what joy is. Joy without sadness is unbearable, is just oppressive and um, inconsiderate. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've heard the phrase toxic positivity. Yes. Like cheer up. Don't be sad. Mm hmm. Uh, and that's very, that's bad for you. That's yeah. really bad for you. I took like a whole, a whole class about this sort of, that if you, if you don't process your sadness, it will come back to haunt you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, then if you can process your sadness in a healthy way, then it just is incorporated into you and you get to move forward along with it. But if you just push it to the side, then it will just fester and bubble up and hurt you later in your life. Yeah, I agree. And, like, in a lot of ways, I feel like this movie illustrates a lot of the things that we're trying to say with this podcast. Like, you have to make space yeah. for your sadness. You have to give it give it room. Um, so, that's so yeah, that's one of the things I really like about this movie is the, it's the exact stuff that we talk about almost every day as friends. You know, we have to... I should tone down my <laughs> hatred of... <laughs> I well, didn't hate it. I was just, it's okay. just like annoyed. Yeah, it's fine. Like you had an initial emotional reaction. I'm interested in discussing that. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna squash my feelings down. No. <laughs> oh, Mabel. Don't make a sad face. I'm kidding. <laughs> if you repress your sadness hard enough, I will start to feel your sadness. Okay. Are you an empath? Because no. if you are, like, no, because I hate be friends. That. I hate that. <laughs> I hate people who are like, I'm an empath, as in I'm going to decide how you feel and then believe it's the truth. Like, <laughs> no. Also, you being sad hurts me. Yeah. No. 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 I'm not like I'm, that. I'm an empath, and I feel your emotions stronger than you do. Yeah. So I'm so empathetic that Point. I can make every situation about my own pain. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> uh, I love to roast empaths. Um, Let's have a podcast where we roast empaths. Maybe. No, then we'd have to like probably talk to empaths. <laughs> Never mind. I'm full of bad ideas. That's not true. This okay. podcast was your idea. This whole this whole venture was your idea. Was it? it was. I remember all I remember is that we were talking about movies that made us cry and then several days later you were like hey do you actually want to do a podcast about that and I was like sure and then like yeah but you were the one who was joking about making a podcast in which we list out the things that make us cry (laughs) that was you I'm full of good ideas too you're right yeah you are but also bad ones it's okay people are complex floaty that dispenses ice cream (laughs) but anyway Anyway. we're talking we're talking about a movie we're talking about inside out yes we're talking about inside out um so I think my heaviest crying moments were around Bing Bong and his, um, I mean, his death. But also before that, I think the first moment where I like really 
cried like this is probably what I would have cried in the movie theaters the first time that I saw it was when um was when sadness helps Bing Bong process losing his rocket. Yeah. Because that's another moment where you see how Joy is not helpful. Joy is not yeah. she doesn't have the tools in order to help Bing Bong with this. But sadness does. Yeah. And that's where I like started leaking um full tears. Before it was all just yeah, like she literally up. says, "Yeah, she literally says we don't have time for this." Ugh, rude, <laughs> rude. Yeah, and then so you know gross. what? Just like just like we say on the show, Bing Bong cried, and then afterwards he was okay. You know, he was yeah, fine, and he could move forward. Yeah, like and- still sad about his rocket, but he mm-hmm. was ready to take steps. I know. And then oh, also mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Oh, and then you know when he actually chooses to sacrifice himself so that joy can get back okay that like the line like take her to the moon for me okay yeah that yeah. was cute yeah that was a lot of did he choose me. like i was under the impression that he fell out of the rocket but if he jumped out he jumped out of the rocket yeah he jumped oh, out of the rocket better. because he was able to he surmised that the rocket couldn't get there with both of their weights which like doesn't make sense because it's all like like, how do they have weight? They're constructs. But um, but the concept is yeah. that he realizes that the rocket can't make it with both of them inside. So he's so he rides along to get the momentum going and then jumps out so that Joy can ride it all the way up to the top. And then he dies. So I have so many, like... I didn't like Bing Bong. I think they could have improved Bing Bong as a character. Like, the idea of an imaginary friend, I think, is really awesome, but Bing Bong just did not do anything for me. If he sacrificed himself, that's much better. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, the physics of this movie... Don't make sense. Like, I could not suspend disbelief. Like, if we're going to have imaginary... Or if we're going to have emotions controlling us with a switchboard like I can get that far Mm -hmm. but if we have like physical space that needs to be maneuvered and and traversed and then there's like this imagination land where anything is possible yeah but yet there have the whole struggle is about traversing the physical space of Riley's yeah like it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense I'm not a child Mm -hmm. I would I would absolutely show this film to children I would not say anything negative about this film if I was talking to a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, My complaints they don't need to know. are, like, yeah, they're they're very personal to me. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin this movie for a child. No, but I agree. I think it has, yeah, it has some good things to say, but I just, like, I had so much trouble suspending disbelief for all of that that I, <laughs> I couldn't enjoy it. There are tons of moments like that, like, like when they show how they send memories, recall them to headquarters. It was mm-hmm. like, why couldn't they just mm-hmm. send all of the core memories back that way? Like, then the other emotions know. would have had the memories there, and then they just have to worry about joy and sadness themselves getting back, but the core memories are still there. Or like the the whole decision to like take the recall tube at the very end. Like, why didn't you guys do that like forty five minutes ago? Yeah. Those tubes have been there also, the whole time. Yeah. I also didn't like how Bing Bong died. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Like, 
if there was a risk that a mm-hmm. living part of Riley's subconscious could die if mm-hmm. it was down there, like, wouldn't they have a ladder? You I, know, like, wouldn't they be able to call for help? Like, and then the idea of an imaginary friend, like, um, people remember their imaginary... My mom had an imaginary friend, and she mm-hmm. remembers him. His name was Chuck Wagon, yeah. and he had a sister, I think, and they both didn't like Barbie because she was blonde, and my mom was, you know, my mom... <laughs> My grandma always harped on my mom about her hair and why couldn't her hair ever look cute. So, like, you know, my mom didn't, was, you know, jealous of, mm-hmm. was taught to be jealous of blondes, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, people still remember their imaginary friends. Yeah. I don't think I'm it's that. annoyed that Bing Bong had to go into the pit. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily that Riley is fully forgetting Bing Bong, but rather that his like entirety as a construct is dissolving. So he's no longer like a quote unquote person in Riley's brain. He's more of a memory, you know, kind of like I I was actually thinking like, Oh, so if she's able to create these living constructs in her mind, then like how many imaginary boyfriends are wandering around the halls by the time this girl is 25 years old, you know? Oh yeah. Like, I'm interested in seeing the the development of, like, the different imaginary situations or, like, the different played out, you know, mental fights that keep happening over and over again mm-hmm. in her brain. Like, how do those exist within a human's brain? But that's, like, not something an 11-year-old would necessarily have. Um, yeah. Th- those are more adult. Like, you know, like an imaginary boyfriend when you're, like, 16 is going to be completely different, but probably more permanent in your brain than, like, Bing Bong was in her ages, you know, 4 to 11. I don't know. Like, I, I didn't have an imaginary friend, but my mom remembers Chuck Wagon. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any of my imaginary boyfriends. I... Maybe I didn't have them, but I just, like, didn't... I don't have any any I don't remember having I know I had those kinds of fantasies like mm-hmm. oh boy what would the boy be like but like they never stuck around it was yeah. just like was how just am I gonna sit fancy. through this 20 minute car ride yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so I think my last note was about um geez just like the embarrassing moment of crying in front of everybody on your first day of school as you're introducing yourself like that is traumatic yeah middle school is awful as it is but like that moment just makes me like curl up in a ball and cringe and like look away from the camera it was really hard and then and then it actually caused that was the moment that caused joy and sadness to like escape out the airlock of her of her emotional hub um and leave her only with disgust fear and and anger um it wasn't quite the same as what I think was the complete depression they were trying to allude to when the board goes black. And I think that's like the metaphor that they were trying to do is like, this is like, yeah, this is like somewhat depression, but she still feels like these three emotions quite strongly, but these three emotions when they don't have the context of joy and sadness can be quite empty and Mm -hmm. like directionless. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as she's, like, running away on the bus, they start to realize that the board is going dark, and that's supposed to be, like, depression taking over. And then suddenly Mm -hmm. she turns around because Joy's able to come back in, and she brings sadness. Um, Mm -hmm. But, 
Yeah, I mean, like, oof. If I was her and I also had that first day of school, I, I would understand running away. I mean. Yeah. I'm, I moved to a new place when I was about that age. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember my teacher asking me to stand up in front of the class and talk about myself. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that she didn't do that. But that's, like, that's rough. That's a lot. It's a lot. Like, you as the Teachers teacher need can to say, stop like, doing that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can pull that kid aside before class starts and say, hey, are you new? Like, you're new. Do you want to stand up and tell the class about yourself? Like, I have to introduce you somehow. So do you want me to just mm-hmm. say this is Riley, our new student? She's here from Minnesota. We're going to talk about lions today. Or, like, maybe, hey, Riley, think about two things that you want to say about yourself, and I then know. I'll introduce you. Yeah, I, I'm not but sure because yeah, I moved. To stop this is a PSA to teachers. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Yeah. Go on. All right. Well, I think I'm ready to do ratings. Are you ready to do ratings or is there anything else that you want to talk about? I did like the depression board thing. Mm -hmm. And I also, I did really like how Joy physically realized that half of, I don't know, when she spun that memory of Riley and the hockey team Mm -hmm. and there was like a blue side of it Mm -hmm. and had that physically represented that this happy emotion had a sad side Mm -hmm. I really like that too oh yeah I think that's true of like everything mixed emotions is like the default state right like Mm -hmm. yeah I agree with you I don't know I really liked how they showed that yeah Mm -hmm. one of my last notes is about um the last couple tears I shed was when joy and sadness ran the control board together and created the first mixed emotion that was a core memory. Um, and then mm-hmm. the main theme played, you know, I'm a sucker for musical cueing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tell me what to feel. Put on some put on some violins and tell me what to feel. And I will feel those <laughs> emotions. <sighs> did, so did we hit all your crying spots? I think we did. I think I've hit all of the points that have little teardrops next to them and all of the points that don't, that are relevant. Okay. I'm ready to stop complaining about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, before we give our ratings... We can move on now. (laughs) Before we give our ratings, Kimia, could you refresh the listeners on our rating scale? I would love to do that. A one teardrop movie doesn't make me cry and won't make me cry. A teardrop movie would make me emotional... A three teardrop movie would make me cry a little bit. A four teardrop movie would make me cry with solid tears down my face. And a five teardrop movie is full on sobs. Mabel, what's your rating for Inside Out? I'm going to give this movie a 4.25. So Very precise. Four and I a quarter. I, I, okay, so because I cry really easily, a lot of my ratings are probably going to be fours and fives. So I would mm-hmm. like to um, paint the different shades of gray by giving yeah. a per- very like precise to the decimal point rating, because I don't mm-hmm. want people being like, you only give movies fours and fives. You cry at everything. Like how can we trust your rating system? So that's just mm-hmm. me. I, I will definitely be giving quarter and half and three quarter uh, teardrops on my rating. Okay. So my rating is 4.25. How about you, Kimia? Okay. Bone dry for Inside Out. I did not cry. I yelled at the screen several times, and I was relieved when it was finally over. Some of you may have cried from relief if you thought the movie was as good as I thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) 
But now that we're done with the discussion, let's take a break to talk about a sponsor. All right, folks, this episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by Running Away to Minnesota. Minnesota, it's always there for you. I might move to Minnesota if anyone forces me to watch this movie again. <laughs> you know, I don't think you can escape watching Inside Out by going to Minnesota. In fact, what if people in well, Minnesota like if was love say, this like, movie? Then I will because of move all, the all of them rap. out of Minnesota. <laughs> you know? Just move all of the people from Minnesota over there, and then you just live in the state by yourself. I'm sure there are parts of Minnesota that are sparsely populated. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> like, I know, I know I'll be around Inside Out in the future, but I'm saying, like, if anyone says, I really want to watch Inside Out with you, with you tonight. Yeah. We're, you and I are going to sit down and we're going to watch Inside Out. Pack your bags, you're going. I'll, I'll just bail. I'm just, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to stop, drop, and roll my way out of that window. I really like I really like the concept of running away to Minnesota because I think of all of the states. It is quite a random state to choose. Like if I ran away and didn't tell anybody where I was going, nobody is gonna guess Minnesota. You know, so I yeah, think I would true. be I would be quite safe. Connection. Yeah, no one's gonna know to follow me to Minnesota. Yeah. I've never been there before, so it is fully random for me. It's a great way. It's a great place to bury your bodies. <laughs> Minnesota. So sorry, Minnesotans. <laughs> you know, Gage is Minnesota, from Minnesota is not a random state. I'm sure he is. <laughs> I mean, he went to high school in Minneapolis, but he considers himself to be from Spokane. I'm. Minnesota is the. Um, Are you looking the bread at and butter state about Minnesota? Okay. <laughs> Minnesota is the land of ten thousand lakes. Okay. Okay. But. Listen to this. Minnesota has over 15,000 lakes. Okay. Minnesota is not random. Minnesota has so many lakes. Okay. I think it's time that we bring it back from break and do some closing segment. Much like Riley and myself shortly after watching this movie, I think it's time to go somewhere where the joyful memories flow and the sadness stays at bay. Oh, that sounds good. Well, why don't you start us off then? Take us to your happy place. Okay, one day I was driving home from work after like a crappy day and I caught myself thinking, I wish I could go to Trader Joe's. But I just went grocery shopping and we don't need anything and that's ridiculous. You can't just go to Trader Joe's just to walk around. Like if you don't need anything, you can't just go there, like just go home. And then I realized two things. First, that I can go to Trader Joe's even if I don't need anything. Second, that Trader Joe's is going to cheer me up whether I buy anything or not. So I should just go there yeah. after a crappy day. Yeah. Who says like, you can't I love go to grocery Trader shopping. Joe's? Yeah. I love walking through the aisles. I love checking out the new products and checking out the babes who work at Trader oh, Joe's. Yeah. And I get to make my own choices and buy my own candies mm-hmm. and spend some time by myself just wandering around. I love Trader Joe's. It's 100% my happy place. And I'm really bummed that grocery shopping has changed so dramatically this year. That's true. You know, I don't think I've gone to Trader Joe's since March because I just can't wait in line to go to a grocery store. Um, I'm willing to do it if someone's paying me to pick up their groceries, but I won't do it for myself. So Because you're a casual. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Wow. Rude. <laughs> Nobody has ever called me a person who cries five times a day casual. Okay. Casual is one thing that I am not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. 
So my happy What's your place, happy place, Maybell? Take I'll take you to my place. happy place. My happy place is doing yoga in the park with my friends. Every Sunday, my, my good friend, who is a yoga teacher, gathers a bunch of us together for some yoga practice. And Kimia, you're there most weeks as well, so I you am. know what this is like. Um, I do. Still not as good as Trader Joe's, but it is wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, if you say so. I, I like doing yoga in the park a little bit more than going to Trader Joe's, mostly because I don't have to wait in line for 45 minutes to do it. Um, and I get to hang out with all my friends in a very, like, socially conscious, distanced manner. And, you know, it's like a good weekly place where I can carve out time for mindfulness and taking care of my body through exercise and attention. And like, it's just one of those things where for the first like four months of the pandemic quarantine, I wasn't doing because we didn't have it. Um, And then I texted our friend the yoga teacher and asked him if he'd be willing to start up the yoga at the park thing again and he said yes and I was seriously buzzing for the whole week leading up to our first reunion as a yoga group like like this yoga this weekly (laughs) yoga practice has actually become like super important to me so my happy place is gonna be doing yoga in the park with my friends and you know I really highly recommend taking that kind of time for yourself, whether it's to meditate or to go work out or I don't know, just like spend some time with a friend in a park. Like all of those things Mm -hmm. are really good for your mental health. So yeah, go look at a bird. Yeah. Look at a bird or a squirrel. I love looking at the squirrels. Oh my God. The squirrels are so good. The squirrels are great at that park and the dogs, lots of dogs walking Mm -hmm. around just like prime dog spotting. Like you're doing down dog and you can see at least three dogs while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. The dogs all come together and there's like babies. Yeah. And there's like other yoga classes. It's great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love it. It's way better than doing yoga in a studio. Your happy place is much normaler (laughs) than my happy place. Yep, that's me. I sure am normaler. (laughs) Well, I think that's all, folks. Did you like Inside Out? Do you compartmentalize your emotions by giving them personalities? Or were you a perfectly normal and also incredibly disturbed teenager? Did Inside Out help you understand yourself, or do you dislike it as much as I do? Tell us by hitting us up on Twitter at tearjerkers underscore pod. And you can join the conversation about this episode on our Facebook group, Tear Jerkers Community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to tearjerkers.podcast at gmail.com. And please, if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or however you listen to us, it would just be so incredibly helpful in helping us reach more ears and helping us feel good about ourselves. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch the next episode. And as always, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell someone you know who loves therapy about this podcast. Or if you know anyone who also fantasizes about Brazilian helicopter pilots, tell them to listen to us. Okay, time for the credits. Tear Jerkers is produced by me, Maybell Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Ranjbron. The wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast is Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Please. Thanks for listening, and make sure you look at a tiny, tiny, tiny turtle.